All right, church, and if you all would, you can turn to Zechariah 13. We're going to be closing up Zechariah uh, today, so there's no time to waste. We've got to get started. We've got two chapters to get through. Um, it, it's, it's a little hefty chunk uh, for us this morning, but um, it's where we're at and what we're going to get through as we close up uh, the series uh, we've been going through. And I just want to remind you that, that the context of what's going on in Zechariah, Zechariah's a prophet that God raised up to uh, call his people back to faithfulness. And specifically what, what had happened for them is they had let three and a half years or so go by uh, where they let the temple, they started rebuilding the temple and just let it just sit there. Uh, they had some pushback from the enemy, and then they just became unfaithful. And then they, they watched the enemies around them thriving. They wondered where God was, and we can oftentimes relate to this. We have a tough time relating to the King Davids where we feel like, I'm no king, right? Like, I got a slingshot. Now, Faith Theobald uh, challenged me that I can't. She's got a house across the field from me, said I can't shoot anything over with a slingshot. And I said, challenge accepted, but you might lose a window. Uh, so I hope you got that first-year home home. Uh, warranty or insurance, whatever you got to get to uh, save some busted windows. But we don't feel like the King David. We don't feel like we're like these kings. We don't feel like we're like super tight with God. Like, like David, we read about him. And it's like he had like some downfalls, right? Um, but, but David was a, a, a man after God's own heart, right? He loved the Lord and he repented when he did wrong and he was very faithful. But really, we, we relate to the, the Israelites, the Jewish nation here or they were, they were low, they, were, they struggled at times to just get any traction going um, as a community, um, as individuals to be faithful. And, and what I want us to think of when we, when we look at this passage today is this, this overarching picture that we ought to finish the job, finish the race. And that's what God uh, was doing through his prophets, and specifically here with Zechariah. We're getting near to the end where there's going to be 400 years of silence before Jesus' arrival, right? And God is calling his people to faithfulness. And I want to I read um, our scripture, but I want to go ahead and give you all the three points this morning to be thinking about it through it, that we are renewed, we are refined, and we are redeemed. And the we, that's the church, right? That's, that's God's people. Now, now, we've been grafted into the Israelites, right? Like God has, has redeemed us, and we are one community together. And all of that community is a renewed people, a refined people, and a redeemed people. And if you don't know the Lord this morning, repent and believe in the Lord. Surrender your life to Christ. And for those who have surrendered, we are renewed. We are a new creation. We're refined, right? We're tested. We are made pure, and one day we'll be in our purest form when we receive our glorified bodies and we are redeemed. We really need to understand that concept that, that redeemed people live like redeemed people. Now that's difficult, but look around at the community around you this morning and we ought to call one another to that faithfulness together. So I want to read Zechariah chapter 13 for us real quick. Picking up in verse 2, we read uh, verse 1 last week and verse 2 picks up and says, And on that day declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land of the prophet land the prophets and the spirit of uncleanness. And if anyone again prophesies, his father and mother who bore him will say to him, You shall not live, for you speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who bore him shall pierce him through when he prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his vision, and when he prophesies, he will not put on a hairy cloak in order to deceive. But he will say, I am no prophet. I am a worker of the soil, for a man sold me in my youth. And if one asks him, what are these wounds on your back? 
he will say, the wounds I received in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. And the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say, church, read it with me, the Lord is my God. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, thank you for being faithful even when we are faithless. God, we thank you for your, your grace and your mercy continuing to flow. We thank you for our salvation this morning. That is a, it is an ever-flowing fountain just pouring out life to us each and every day. God, we thank you for your son and sending him to die in our place, taking your wrath. And God, this morning we draw near to you through your word praying earnestly that your spirit would just conform us into your likeness and help us to finish this race. We don't know our last day, but we know one day you're coming in judgment, whether we're here or already with you. And Lord, we want to we be faithful to the end. So God, lead us, give us that strength and boldness by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So point number one, we are renewed. We are a renewed people. We know from uh, Paul's letters to the church in Corinth, he says, uh, you are not your own, you're a new creation. Uh, behold, the new has come, the old has passed away. So it's, it's absolutely renewed. And what's cool is it's not, we're just simply new, but God took the dead bones and gave us life. Uh, one of my favorite things to do on Amazon, if you all are trying to get some like uh, shopping done this week, raise your hand if you're still getting some shopping done this week. Yep. And if you didn't raise your hand, you still got some shopping to do. We know that there's like some things that are going to come up. Everybody's got shopping uh, to do, except for my mom. She gets it done in July or uh, it's Amazon Prime Day. I found out she's buying things on Amazon Prime. And my mom's here, by the way. Uh, you all got to make sure that you uh, swarm her and uh, say hello. And then notice the difference in our accents. Um, my mom's got uh, the West Virginia accent. Mom, they always wonder why I don't have the accent. Uh, but I pronounce words like you do, so they, they give me a hard time for uh, wolves. I say woofs, woofs instead of wolves. I came up here saying crowns instead of crayons, a um, few other things. So uh, welcome to the party, Mom. I'm not alone. So you guys can uh, give them a hard time, too. Uh, anyway, my favorite thing to do, though, is on Amazon, you can go to condition, right? You can get a new item or a used item. Or you can get reconditioned. That means they've taken something that was new, it kind of got like a little broken, and then they make it a little bit new again. And that's the best thing to do. You want to know why? Because it's a cheaper price, right? So like I love that. But it reminds me that God, like we just like to dispose of things, right? Like everybody, I was, I was um, talking to some friends about like all these gifts that these kids get, and what happens is you buy it, December you build it, and then February gone, right? Like we just, we dispose of things, right? We just got to get rid of them. And we do that over and over, but God didn't look at his people and give up. No, he made us a new creation. He restored that which was dead. Specifically, God is protecting us here. He's renewing us by removing that which is unclean. Okay, so he's protecting his people. This has been an ongoing theme throughout Zechariah, that God is sovereignly protecting his people, right? I was talking to, to even Corey uh, Durge this past week. Is it, It's tough to see that, right? It's tough for us to see that we're being protected when there's so much bad going on. You read the Old Testament, people pushed against Israel, they died. 
And you're like, I don't know if I want that to come back, right? Like, I don't want my enemies dropping. I just want them to understand, like, that they're wrong and I'm right, you know? We, we want there to be a clear distinction. But we have to remember that we're in this covenant of grace right now. And we are to go and to speak truth. We are to be bold and we are to share the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ and call people to repentance because one day God is coming back in judgment. And that's what he's telling them. Get back on your feet. Rebuild this temple. Be in my presence. Enjoy me for I'm dwelling amongst you. Be faithful. Be holy for I, your Lord, am holy. See, God doesn't want his people to be involved in the unclean things, for we are called and saved, renewed to a holy thing and a holy way of living. So here we see that, that in verse 2, it says, on that day, talking about the, the day to come, right? There's the judgment day, the day of judgment. There will be a day where he says that he cuts off the name of idols from the land so they, they won't even be remembered. So that they shall be remembered no more. God is fed up on this day. Now that's encouraging to us right now because it's like, what is going on? Look to that day. Our hope is in that day. It's coming. There's a day ahead. And we have work to do until that day arrives. But God is fed up with the idols. Now these things may last for now, but not forever. So there's two things here that will not last. One, idols. These are things or people that we place before God. It says that we shouldn't have any idol before the Lord our God. Amen, church? Nothing, not a thing should be placed before God. Not even the things that God says is good, right? We've taken marriage and we've taken our spouse and we've elevated them above God. And that's something and someone God's given to you, sovereignly placed in your life to enjoy and glorify him through that Holy covenant. But when we place that person above God, we've gone too far. Our children, we do the same thing. If you don't believe me, look at this week ahead of us. What are we doing to prepare for Christmas? Are we preparing our hearts and minds for the coming of the Messiah? Or are we preparing our hearts and minds and wallets uh, for the aftermath of Christmas budgets? Don't feel alone. I feel that struggle, right? Like we, we all feel that. But what, what, is, what is the top priority in this season? My three-year-old, I've done good with my six-year-old. My three-year-old, I'm like, I need to start working with her. She's like, presents. Mimi, Pawpaw, presents. She's just, she gets it. She, she knows the grandparents are there. It's a spoiler. I'm like, I need to work on this a little bit. So idols, anything or uh, anyone we place before God. Secondly, false prophets, those claiming God but leading people astray. And the removal of these two things, which God is going to do, leaves God as the focus, the center of our worship. Right, So God is going to do that. There's going to be a day where there's no distractions. There's going to be nothing that we even have to place before God. And that's good for us. That's God's protecting of us. That's his renewing of our, and transformation of our hearts and our minds. And he's doing that now, but there's going to be a day where it's absolutely come to pass that there's nothing left in the land to come before God. And our hearts and minds will then be so focused that we're not building for ourselves an altar with a golden calf. Nothing that we're placing before God. It's going to remove that. Verse 3. And if anyone again prophesies, his, mother, his father and mother who bore him will say to him, You shall not live, for you speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who bore him shall pierce him 
through when he prophesies. This, these two chapters we're going through like super like intense, right? It, it's saying here that, that the mother and father of the person who is a false prophet, a false teacher, right? A wolf and wolf and sheep's clothing. Those people will not only be despised by the land, but their own mother and father will be the ones who lead them to the death penalty. They will pierce them as the Lord our God was pierced, right? You imagine like getting that and you're like, Okay, like if your own mother and father would pierce you so that you wouldn't speak lies in the name of the Lord, you should stop. It's the severity. Like we take lies to to an extreme when we're throwing the name of Jesus in it. Don't do such things. Paul writes to the Corinthians Uh, And 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15 should be on the screen. Yes, it says, For such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Their end will correspond to their deeds. That which the way in which they live will be their end. So if we are living in the righteousness of Christ, notice that, not the righteousness of Michael, not the righteousness of you or I or anyone else other than the name of Jesus, then our end will be salvation. And it's not by works, because our righteousness is in Christ Because when Jesus came, he came to die on the cross to impute his righteousness. That means give you his righteousness, place it on you, and take upon himself the sins in which we've committed here on earth. Praise be to God for that. But the way in which we live, it shows people that which we believe. And if we are a renewed people, we cannot live like a dead people. Right? If we continue to live like the world, we are living like those who are dead in their trespasses. And we know of our sin. We know of it. We confess it. But we believe in Jesus. And in our belief, we've received his righteousness. Live according to it. We should be living like those who have been given life, taken from death to life. And we go through this process of refining. Point number two, we are refined. We're not just a renewed people, right? That this is the process of sanctification. This is the process that's messy. This is the process that hurts, right? Maybe not physically, like no one's twisting your arm. Parents aren't actually piercing your side now anymore, I don't think. Uh, if so, we've got to talk about that at the next church meeting, right? Like no more piercing your children's sides. Zachariah was a different time. Don't do that. Don't pierce them. Tell them about Jesus. Love them. Show them grace and mercy. But we are refined. We go through this process of refining, of sanctification, where we are no longer living like and acting like the world, but we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds into the likeness of Christ our Savior. One of my favorite verses is is there in in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. You know, it talks about not being conformed to the world. But it says, "Let, let your life be a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is holy and acceptable. It's our spiritual worship. That we give ourselves each and every day. Take up your cross, right? And that's difficult. It's difficult to do that. It's tough to get in habits. We are a people of, of habit, right? 
there's this, uh, this one game I play with my friends, and they're like, where do you want to go? Like, you, there's this big map, and you can, like, go to a specific spot on a map. I love going to the same spot, right? Because we're, we are uh, a creation of habit, right? Like, we love just to go in these same habits. And once we've gotten into that habit, we don't like to get out of it. That same routine each and every day. But we have to. We've been renewed, and we are being refined Look at verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the men who stand next to me. The man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. This is talking about Jesus. That's why we're, we're still going through Zechariah in this time and of the Advent season, looking to the coming of the Messiah, because this speaks directly of what the Messiah, the good and great shepherd, was coming to do for his people. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, declares the Lord of hosts, against Jesus. And then strike the shepherd. And then when Jesus is struck, what happens? The sheep are scattered. And it says, I will turn my hand against the little one. What does it say in Matthew 26, 31? It's on the screen. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. See, it should have been no surprise when all of this was happening. When Jesus arrived on the scene, it should have been no surprise. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. They struck the shepherd. They were scattered. It says, I will turn my hand against the little ones. See, Israel at the time was going through a process of refining. Because Paul tells us, he says, not all who are of Israel are true Israel. Just like all who are part of the visible church are not a part of the invisible church. That means there are people who play church, the visible church, They go through all the religious motions. They do all the religious things. They sing all the religious songs. But they know him not. They don't know the God of all creation. They know of him. They speak of him. But they don't worship him. They have not surrendered to him. And in this moment, this is this process of refining for them. And it says in the whole land, in verse 8, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off. Two-thirds were going to be cut off from this land, cut off from the covenant. But it says one-third shall be left alive. And this one-third, this third will be put into a fire. And they will be refined as one refined silver, it says, and test them as gold is tested. And those who have been refined and make it through that third, that one-third, they will call upon my name, God says, and I will answer them and say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. Remember, this is this this process, this refining. Romans 9, verses 6 and 7 says this of Israel's process. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Church, this is good news because we, the Gentiles, have been adopted in. We've been grafted in. I come from a mixed family, right? I've got step-siblings. 
And we always, we, we test this, this truth, this, this truth of like, does my stepdad love me as much as his kids? Does my mom, do, does she love my, my step-siblings as much? So we start opening gifts and we start looking and eyeballing. And, and now we're up here, so now we text each other. We're like, what'd you get? And my stepbrother always tells me, like, he exaggerates way more, right? He, he exaggerates, right? He exaggerates, yeah. And, and we test this. And the good news is, is that we are a part of God's people because we have been adopted in. And those who are a part of Israel that bless the, the name of Jesus, that believe in the name of Jesus, are of true Israel. And don't look at this as like there's a difference here and now Israel is just, just kicked to the side. No, they're not. They are not because there is still a, a remnant Israel to be redeemed that believes and loves Jesus. But this was a refining process for them, just like we, the church, go through a refining process also. This process of sanctification. For Peter even writes, this one won't be on the screen. Many of you all are familiar with it. First Peter, uh, verse 6 and 7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We, too, are tested because, church, when push comes to shove, it will show where our heart is. It shows where our allegiance is. When everything pushes down on your life, do you turn to the world? Do you turn to temporary solutions? Or do you turn to and trust in the Savior who saved you, right? Like, do you understand that, that you are renewed, you are being refined for his purpose and for his glory, and that every time you overcome those situations, you are praising him by trusting and resting in him. Just like when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean that, that you can go and do anything. We've talked about this. I'll never be able to dunk on a 10-foot rim. I can't do it. There's not enough ankle weights to, to put on. I, I just I can't do it. It's my height. It's just my, maybe my will. Like I just don't really want to do it. I just I can't do it. But we, we trust the process that God is redeeming his people and refining us, making us like him. And we turn to and trust in him as Paul was telling them and to the church in Philippians that it didn't matter if he was, he was rich or if he was poor. He says, I've learned to rest in Christ. He says, in my poverty, right? He's talking to them about their giving to him and his mission. It didn't matter. He trusted and rested. If that, that check got there, he was good. If it didn't get there, he was good. If he was in prison, what did he say? Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice while he's in prison. All of this because we are redeemed. Point number three. We are a redeemed people. Chapter 14, this is... Um, going to be a, a, an earful, so follow along with me in your, your Bibles. We're going to read chapter uh, 14, uh, and it's, it's graphic. There's a, there's a day coming, and, and a lot of this is past, and there's still more to come, and, and we know that God is redeeming us. There's a day of redemption ahead for us, church, and we hope in that. We look forward to that. 
And this is what they needed to hear. Consider again the context. That they had been longing for their Savior. They had been looking at the foundation of the temple. Now at this point it had been rebuilt, but they had looked at it and it hadn't been rebuilt. And they just were faithless. They continued to fall down a path of destruction, of disobedience. But God kept pointing them to the day of redemption because they were redeemed. Chapter 14, behold, a day is coming for the Lord. When the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east on the Mount of Olives shall be split into two from the east to the west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall be northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake and the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him, on that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost. Something we wish for today. Amen, church? And there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but, an e but at evening time there shall be light. On that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. Church, listen to this. This is, this is the victory they needed. Remember, when Jesus showed up on the scene, when he came to earth, they looked at him as the political leader. But on this day, when Jesus comes back to establish his millennial reign, it says this, And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. The whole land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Ramon. South of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its site from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate to the corner gate and from the tower of Henanel to the king's winepress and it shall be inhabited for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Never again, church. Jerusalem shall dwell in what, church? Security. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war on Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. And on that day, a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them, so that each will seize the hand of another. And the hand of one, the one will be raised against the hand of the other. Even Judah will fight, against, uh, fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be collected, gold, silver, and garments in great abundance. And a plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beast may be in those camps. Then everyone who survives all the nations that come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, to keep the feast of booths. And if any families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up, present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be 
the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to the Feast of Booths. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. And on that day, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts. So that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them. And there shall be no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of the host on that day. Our redemption is coming. The day of judgment is coming. It says here in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 9, like I said, that is a victory there. That we can look and we can see that one day, Jesus, we know he's king, right? We know that he's reigning. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne of at high, on high, right? We know that Jesus reigns, but one day he's coming back. After the tribulation, he's establishing his millennial reign. Some people will be saved during that time of tribulation. It says those people will go up and they will praise God, and those who don't will not, and their land will not receive rain. We know what happens when you don't receive rain. You don't receive food, right? You don't get crops. You don't have anything. It's judgment. But verse 9, the Lord will be king over all the earth. Church, we go through trials. We, we witness hardships. We experience hardships here. But we know that God is coming to establish his kingdom. He's not just renewing us. But church, one day, this whole earth will be made new. And we will get to enjoy it and praise God because of it like he originally intended. Praise be to God that God has not given up. He's making that which is dead renewed. He's redeeming it for his purpose and for his glory. And then what is our response? What is our response to the faithfulness of God? What is our response? It's this. Dedication, devotion to God. And everything that we have that we would offer it to God for his use and for his service. Everything that we have. That's what it means here. It says, holy to the Lord. That is set apart to the Lord. Set apart to God and his service and glory to him. Everything that we have would be for him and to him. And praise be to him. And the bells of their horses, they'd write, holy to the Lord. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts. Everything. All is dedicated to the Lord for he has redeemed us and is to be glorified and enjoyed forever and ever. Amen, church? Amen. Ben, if you want to go ahead and come back up. Church, I want to end with this. This, this um, book, this prophet Zechariah was raised up because the people had been sitting there. They're just stagnant, right? Uh, a lot of people, I don't know if you all have ever heard the, the term associated, the frozen chosen. We are the chosen people of God, right? But we're sitting here frozen, not living like Jesus has saved us to live. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to get into religious motions or you need to earn your salvation. But because of your salvation, you get on your feet and you go and you live for him. See, we don't have like a temple that we're rebuilding. But my question for us would be, especially going into the new year, is how is our faith? Does our faith look like that of the temple of Jerusalem before they rebuilt it? We, we were saved, right? We laid a foundation, maybe even read one of the Gospels. 
probably started in Matthew, started the genealogy, and we're like, laid that foundation. But if you all think about it, how is the foundation of your faith? Is it that just a foundation? Maybe some of you all are like, no, I got some walls up. <laughs> is it, how long? How long have those walls been up? You got some, some walls you're, you're building and your faith is growing. But has it hit a point where you just feel like, ah, every time pastor preaches, I just feel like I've, I know that story, right? I love hearing that, right? When, when, when we, we've heard those stories, it's like, I know it all, right? Just, I know it all. I still fail quizzes online about the Bible, right? Like I, I, like go, I did Liberty Online, right? And I thought, man, if I don't know the question, I can just go to, to Google. And I'm like, why don't I know the answer, right? I've, I've read about Abraham's life. Where is that part that's talking about what he did? Because we need to continue to read and to grow. And it's not just reading and praying, right? We like to attribute, the, how's your faith? I could read my Bible and, and pray a little bit more, right? Like those are our, our go-tos. But like how's your fellowship with other believers, What in your life are you setting aside as holy to the Lord? What are we dedicating? What are we devoting to the Lord? Are we devoting our time, our money, our resources? This isn't a, a, a plea to, to get you to, hey, I know you got the Christmas budget. Make sure you're doing 10% of tithe too. Paul says, pray that amount in your heart and, and give. God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not here to talk about any amount. I'm talking about everything that we have being set apart for the Lord our God. How's that foundation? See, this next year, I think we need to consider uh, not only our, our prayer life and um, our devotion to, to reading the word. Maybe, maybe some of us need to step back off that read the Bible in a year plan that we always give up on at the end of Genesis because that is a long book, right? Like Some of us just need to sit down and say, I'm just going to read a few books of the Bible this year, set them, like pick those ones and say, I'm really going to study those. I mean, you can go online and, and type in the topic, and it'll give you a book. You don't just have to do a topical study. You want to talk about Judaizers and, and legalistic people? Maybe some of you all have been hurt by legalism, and that kind of keeps you away from growing in your faith. Well, we're going to be going through Galatians. That's a great place to be when we're talking about legalism. Find out what it is and, and read from the word of the Lord and then apply it. Talk to another brother or sister in Christ and talk about what you're reading and what you're learning and how it's challenging you. Or say, like, hey, I think I know it all and see how they challenge you. Or maybe God is using you to go through something you've already read a thousand times to pour it into and invest in another brother or sister in Christ. We have to begin looking at our spiritual foundation and say, where am I? Because there are people who just laid the foundation and they felt good, and God pruned them out because they were never really of the community. And Jesus says, there will be a day when those People will stand before him, try and get into heaven. He says, I will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. We need to begin to look at our faith. Have we surrendered to Christ or not? And to those of us who have surrendered, we've rested in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Remember that you are a renewed creation. You've been made new. You're being refined, and that process is difficult. It's trying. But remember, you were redeemed, and we look to our redemption here, now, and also later when God comes back in the day of judgment, we don't fear that day. 
We long for that day. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Church, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing this last song and close up Zachariah and close up the service. And don't forget this Saturday at 7 p.m. here, we're going to have our candlelight service. No service on Sunday morning. But let's pray um, and go out this week and just uh, be faithful in our walk and begin looking at the pieces of the foundation that we need to begin working on and growing in, not alone, but together. Father God, thank you for this morning that we've had uh, with one another. Thank you for your word. God, it's difficult to see some of the things that are, are yet to come, and it's difficult to, to know that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But we know that you've set us apart for your purpose and for your work. So God, until you come, let us be faithful to your mission. Let us be faithful to your word, to growing and communicating with you, talking. God, I pray that we would delight in our relationship with you, that we would, we would long to wake up and, and be obedient to you that day. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for our church family and giving us one another. God, I pray uh, this week that you would be with our church family, those dealing with sickness, illness, travel, sports, whatever it might be, God. Grant them safe travels. And Lord, I pray for our uh, Christmas Eve service, God, that you would be glorified and you would bring new people in. They'd hear the gospel and you would use your word um, and the proclamation of it to draw them to yourself and save them let their eternity be changed forever. God, thank you for all that you've done. And I, again, I just pray for this week, um, groups and everything going on, God, that you just be glorified in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray.